With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Feeling like you need a punch of energy? Enter Wonderful Pistachios. I love them. The snack that packs a protein punch. And the best part, they come in so many flavors and so many sizes. Whether you're on the go or chilling at home, Wonderful Pistachios, they're the go-to snack for me. Here's the real kicker, the protein. These little wonders are one of the highest protein nuts out there. Just one ounce serves up a whopping six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. So visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. I love them. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. Thanks for listening to the Best of Herd Podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday from 12 to 3 Eastern, 9 to noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and FS1. Find your local station for the Herd at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching Herd. This is the Best of the Herd with Colin Cowherd on Fox Sports Radio. Here we go. It is a Thursday live in Los Angeles. It's the Herd. Wet Los Angeles. Never-ending rain Los Angeles. iHeartRadio, Fox Sports Radio, FS1. New affiliate today, 1190 iHeart Sports DC Radio. Welcome in, DC. One of the smartest areas in the country. You know the area, Jason McIntyre, alongside from the area. Middle school, elementary school, high school, all in Northern Virginia. You're not loyal to any of their teams. Hey, hey now, <laughs> hey now. I love the Washington Bullets back, back right, in so the So did 80s. I. Elvin yes. Hayes, Unselled, Phil Chenier, Bobby Dandridge, Kevin Greevy. Yes. Ooh, look, look at, at that. Ryan. Ryan's looking at us like we're two old guys. I remember those teams. They played the Sonics in finals. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, it's good to be here today. Um, now we got rumors and they're heating up. J-Mac was right on this. Raiders want Brady. From the Las Vegas Review-Journal, owner Mark Davis, the reason they sat, benched Derek Carr, they wanted to keep him healthy so they wouldn't have to pay him. It was a health issue, nothing personal, but Mark Davis, the owner, wants a new quarterback. Financial risk of paying him, they benched him. They also have Max Crosby in his prime, Devontae Adams in his prime, Darren Waller, Josh Jacobs. They want to get the most out of those star players. So if the Raiders can't trade him, according to the Las Vegas Review-Journal, they are willing to cut him, cut Derek Carr, a quarterback for the D.C. listeners. I like Derek Carr. I think he's a top 12 quarterback, maybe 11 or 12, but I like him. They're going to move on and and incur a very small, you know, $5.5 million hard cap hit. So it does say Jimmy Garoppolo is also somebody they'd be interested in. So, you know, Brady and Garoppolo have been in a lot of big games. Derek Carr has not. So there's your story to start the day. Um, They don't have to make some deal for Brady. He's a free agent. They don't have to surrender picks, and they'll probably get a pick for Derek Carr. It is not a perfect fit if Tom Brady went there. 
Josh McDaniels, he's comfortable with him, and Brady likes comfort, but he's never proven to be a successful head coach. A lot of critics with Josh McDaniels' game management. Lost a lot of leads this year. Uh, the defense, the secondary is a mess. They got Their first pick should be a corner. Their second pick should be a safety. Uh, their, their secondary is a mess. O-line's fine, not great, but it's top 12, 13 in the league. Um, but the Raiders do, and this is important. They're the opposite of the Colts. They have holes, but they check the right boxes. Left tackle, Colton Miller, good starter. Star receiver, star edge rusher. Brady would be the star quarterback. Offensive head coach in 2022. So the boxes are checked. They have to go out and get a good corner. They're a mess in the secondary. Other than that, in 2022, there are certain positions. The Colts have a good roster. They don't check some of the key boxes. Raiders check almost all the key boxes, but they got holes on the roster. Uh, I also believe the Raiders will get another pick, a second or third round pick, uh, for Derek Carr. I mean, are you going to tell me that Derek Carr to stabilize the New York Jets situation is not worth a second or a third round pick? Second and third round picks, 30% of them are busts. Derek Carr's not going to be a bust. Here's Albert Breer, though, yesterday on the interesting potential timing of a move for Derek Carr. The Raiders have to make a decision on this by February 15th. Um, they, they cannot have him on their roster without either a deal agreed to um, or, you know, an agreement to cut him uh, bef- the, after fe- February 15th because that's when his guarantees vest. And so, like, to get a trade partner, you'd be asking for that team to move way ahead of the market and say, we're going to lock in with Derek Carr as our quarterback on Valentine's Day. Okay, now that sounds fast. But remember, the teams that would want Derek Carr, Indy, uh, the Jets, perhaps Houston, the bad teams, or the teams that won't make the playoffs, their season's done Sunday. Sunday's January 8th. I know that because Friday, tomorrow's my birthday, January 6th. No big deal. No, no reason to mention it or lather me with attention. There's no reason. So Sunday's January 8th. You got five weeks. Never forget Matt Stafford. The Rams got Matt Stafford. Do you know when they made that deal? End of January. They were a good team. <laughs> All right. So they were a very good team. So I think it's doable. I think it's going to happen. I think the bad teams have plenty of time. And I think Derek Carr, we're going to play a little game Next hour, where he's going to land. I think there's a lot of places. Derek Carr doesn't get hurt much. Miami's going to consider him. The Jets will consider him. Houston has to consider him. Uh, The offseason for the NFL has really replaced the hot stove league in baseball and the NBA free agency. There are going to be so many big moves, many at quarterback. All right, so the rumors on Brady moving. Now the Las Vegas Review-Journal has it sourced. The Raiders want Brady. May have to settle for Garoppolo, but they want Brady. Okay, here's the other set of rumors. Jim Harbaugh, NFL. Now, we told you The Athletic, a great subscription service, Monday reported Harbaugh's leaving Michigan if he gets an NFL offer. That's what they're reporting. Their reporting's usually accurate. Here we know David Tepper has met with Harbaugh and his people. David Tepper is the rich guy. I think he's the richest owner in the NFL, first, second, third richest guy. He's met with Harbaugh and his people. So this is real. I will say this, though, from a Michigan perspective. Michigan was behind Ohio State for about 20 years, they have been. They're finally on equal footing. Maybe you could argue because they have a clear offensive identity, maybe they have a slight edge on Ohio State. If Harbaugh leaves and they whiff on the next hire, and they've done that multiple times, they will be a doormat for the Buckeyes in one year. You also have Lincoln Riley and USC in that offense coming to the Big Ten. 
So two of the last three hires for Michigan football have been whiffs. And I looked at a list yesterday of the possible replacements. It was weak. I mean, I like David Shaw, but he replaced Harbaugh and Stanford. Last couple of years, it's been bad. Matt Campbell at Iowa State, I think he's a very good coach. Last year, without Brock Purdy, they were terrible. Uh, Bill O'Brien, solid, solid, but he's not Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh has massive leverage. If he gets an offer, he's taking it, according to The Athletic. And Michigan is not only relevant for the first time in a long time, they're really good. And this has to be considered. I mean, Notre Dame, I thought, did a very good job replacing Brian Kelly. Marcus Freeman's young, energy, good-looking, great recruiters. Players loved him. They went from a national championship kind of conversation to nine wins. Everybody's playing 12 and 13 games. Nine wins. Couldn't beat USC. Nine wins. In Southern schools, it's different. There are far more great high school football players in Georgia, Bama, Florida, Texas, Southern California than there are in Northern schools. A lot of times, warm weather schools just have to ask a recruit to come to their school. You have to sell a warm weather athlete to go play in the cold. So LSU has hired two coaches they had to fire. Les Miles and Ed Orgeron. And they both still won national titles. Ed Orgeron was viewed kind of as a mistake. And he won a national title. I could argue that Joe Burrow team's the best college football team of all time. It's in a short list of top two or three. And Ed Orgeron's not considered an elite college coach. So you can miss in the South and still get the 9-10 wins. Win a natty. Michigan hires the wrong coach. They're a six-win team in a year. Fast. Northern schools miss punitive. Southern schools miss if the guy can recruit like Ron Zook, the next guy comes in, Urban Meyer, and wins some titles. So the Big Ten TV contract is brand new, and it kicks in in July. If I was Michigan, I'd think long and hard about being outbid by the Carolina Panthers. I would the, the money right now in the Big Ten is massive. It's still one of the only basketball conferences that matter. The football conference is hugely popular. The ratings are going up. Here comes UCLA. Here comes Lincoln Riley and USC. Spend the money. Two of the last three hires for Michigan. Michigan's a unique school. Ann Arbor's a unique community. Uh, Rich Rod just didn't fit at all. Brady Hoke didn't fit. Uh, Harbaugh sometimes awkward works. So this is really interesting. The Athletic reported Monday, if he gets an offer, he's out. I told you, when, they, when that athletic director made him redo his contract and take a pay cut, that's like unprecedented. Remember the one time Saban lost to Auburn? I think it was that kick return game. And Alabama boosters got a little high and mighty for about five minutes. Oh, no, if we need Nick Saban. He got the Texas offer 15 minutes later. Not only did Bama sign him to a record contract, eventually one of the boosters had to give him a Mercedes dealer and buy him a house on a lake in Georgia. Although that had to pay off his mortgage. Don't ma- if you get a top coach and there's about eight great ones, don't ask him for pay cuts. Take care of them. There's very little great in the world. NFL's got five good owners. NFL's got five great quarterbacks. NFL's got five or six great coaches, five or six great coordinators. Not a lot of great out there. Harbaugh's great.
Be sure to catch live editions of The Herd weekdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio, FS1, and the iHeartRadio app. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. In the NFL, there's the great teams that are a lot of fun to watch. You know, your Buffaloes, your Cincinnati's, your Kansas City's, Philadelphia for most of the year. We all know who they are. Uh, there's your bad teams nobody wants to watch. Uh, Chicago got to be ugly at the end of the year. Uh, Houston, uh, New Orleans wasn't very good. Uh, your Atlanta's. Uh, and you get those teams in the middle. Eh, depends on who they play. Detroit's a very average team. But I thought they were a top five or six watch in the league. So they play Sunday night football. It's going to be a really good game. It's Green Bay uh, at Lambeau against the Detroit team that's not nearly as good on the road. Jared Goff's home and road splits are dramatic when he goes on the road. He's very good in a clean pocket. He's good in a dome. He was good when he played for the Rams on sunny days. You get him with some pressure. You get him on the road. He's not as good, I would expect. 
um, Green Bay to win this game. So, but Green Bay deserves a lot of credit for finding their identity. Now, most Packer fans will tell you they knew what it should have been in September, October. A 55-45 to run first, play-action pass team, lean on Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. They've only really got one deep threat, and he's a rookie. Christian Watson has had injury, uh, you know, misses this year. Very, very fast kid, young kid. He's not going to be a star in the playoffs. Rookie receivers, you know, rarely are, especially when they come from FCS schools. Next year, he's probably a different level player. But during their four-game winning streak, it's a good story, and they're a good team. But Aaron Rodgers, in the four-game winning streak, has a passer rating at 87, four touchdowns, two picks. McDonald's also has a great identity. It doesn't make it a great burger. So I think Detroit has an outside shot to win this game, but I thought Minnesota would give the Packers trouble last week, and they were awful. Um, I think Green Bay will eventually meet its ceiling. If, If the playoffs started today... The most likely adversaries slash opponents the Packers would face would be at San Francisco, then at Philly, at Dallas. I do not think this team can beat those three teams on the road. I just don't think they have enough offense. Five times this year, Aaron Rodgers threw under 200 yards. No times he threw over 300 yards. Romeo Dobbs, you don't trust him. Uh, it's just they have one good tight end. They have one really fast rookie receiver. They're kind of a limited team at Philly, at San Francisco, even at Dallas. I would take them as an underdog, maybe significantly at San Francisco and at Philly. Dan Campbell, though, has made Detroit relevant. It's easy to root for them. The most fun average team in the league to watch his thoughts on Sunday's matchup. The guy is a hell of a player, and so it doesn't matter if it's Sunday night, Sunday afternoon, you're playing for playoffs, it's first game of the year. Like, to me, he he's a handful no matter when you play him. I just don't see anything different. I, I see an, an outstanding quarterback who has played uh, and had an outstanding career, and I would anticipate he's going to play one of his best games again. Uh, talking about Aaron, Aaron Rodgers, obviously, but in that four-game winning streak, They've beaten the backup quarterback for the Rams, the Bears that were an awful football team in the last month and a half, two months. Um, And even Miami, they trailed by two touchdowns. Tua had a late first half concussion. Nobody diagnosed it. Two in the second half gave them all sorts of interceptions. Remember, half of the Packers' takeaways this year on defense, half have come in the last four games. Backup quarterbacks, Justin Fields behind a bad O-line, Tua who was concussed, and then last week, The Vikings inexplicably melted. I don't know what happened. I thought Minnesota would give them a push, but maybe that's just the reality of Kirk Cousins and that offense in big spots. Be sure to catch live editions of The Herd weekdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. The Herd Live News. I I did think, you know, talking about injuries, this is really interesting. So Channing Crowder was on the show yesterday. He's a former Miami Dolphin, great linebacker, and just a really, really pivoted very well to a broadcasting and a podcasting career. And, and I asked him a question. I said, um, he loved Tua, and I'm, I've always been a little uh, reluctant, reticent to put my arms around Tua. He's small. There's injuries. It feels like every deep ball is underthrown. Uh, and, and I asked Channing, I said, listen, with the latest developments, Teddy Bridgewater's hurt. Tua's hurt. You're going up against Josh Allen two times a year. Would you move off Tua? Here's, here's his thoughts. He's a talented dude, but as you see him, Getting concussions off not devastating hits. That's the thing with Tua that I'm concerned with right now. Super 
capable guy. You saw the stretch he had when they were winning, when he was having 300-yard back-to-back games in the MVP conversation, but then he gets hurt again. They were a loaded roster. They looked great on paper, but so many injuries just killed this team, and the biggest one is Tua Tagovailoa not being able to stay healthy. That's an adult conversation. We've got to have the ability to talk about that now because – if in this league, you're, I mean, if you start looking at the best quarterbacks, the 20 best quarterbacks in the history of the league, Drew Brees is the outlier. They're big men. Aikman was a big man, and Peyton Manning was a big man, and, and Tom Brady's a big guy, and Big Ben was a big guy, and it's a thing. Sean Payton was on my show earlier this week, you know, and we, we talked about, you know, did the pendulum swing too far in the NFL where Russell Wilson had success And then we started saying, well, size doesn't matter. Now, years ago, maybe we were so rigid and too beholden to size and arm strength. But have we gone the other way? Has the pendulum swung the other way where now we're like, it doesn't matter. My guest in five minutes is going to be Drew Bledsoe, 6'5". Troy Aikman, these are big guys. And Sean Payton talked about that kind of prototype, bigger quarterback. Let's do this. Let's not draft small players in the first 15 picks of the draft anymore in the first round let's not let's not get away from prototype and I talked with Bill Parcells about this Ron Wolf and and those early picks have to be prototype players you have to pay attention to typing and and when you're looking at the health of players and you're looking at the size of players it matters Manziel flopped. Kyler Murray hurt. Jalen Hurts hurt. Uh, Baker Mayfield, by the way, thought he was a bigger, stronger athlete than he was. Threw a pick, tried to square up a safety, hurt his shoulder. That ruined the season for him. So Zach Wilson, by the way, one of my knocks on Zach Wilson at a BYU. I said he feels small and slight to me. He got hurt. Um, so it's it's something to think, think about. This is something I find fascinating is the number one quarterback out of college in terms of skill set is Bryce Young. Bryce Young is six feet tall and 195 pounds at Alabama, and he looks small in college football. Will Levis, 6'4", Kentucky, big arm, big arm, big, thick, sturdy kid. My NFL guys like Will Levis. They don't want to go out and get ripped for it yet. They like him. Uh, C.J. Stroud, big move, running, Georgia, bouncing off people, big. So it's these are tough decisions, nuanced decisions, but Miami's got a great roster, offensive coach, left tackle, weapons, excellent corner. They've got a lot, a lot of those boxes, and these are going to be difficult decisions. I still think they play the Jets this Sunday. Uh, Miami can get into the playoffs. That's one of the more fascinating games this weekend. Hey, it's Ben, host of The Fifth Hour with Ben Maller. It would mean a lot to have you join us on our weekly auditory journey. You're asking, what in God's name is The Fifth Hour? I'll tell you, it's a spinoff of The Ben Maller Show, a cult hit overnights on FSR. Why should you listen? Picture, if you will, a world where we chat with captains of industry in media, sports, and more every week. Explore some amazing facts about human nature and more. Listen to The Fifth Hour with Ben Maller on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddy makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddy Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. 
Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There is a story this morning that the Lakers front office basically has been told don't trade the draft picks in 2027-2029. Doesn't matter what LeBron wants, do not trade the draft picks. Now I can disagree with that. Le- LeBron is 38 years old, he's having a remarkable season. So LeBron's career is pretty easy to track and follow here. In his prime, he would go to a team Uh, like a Miami or back to Cleveland or the Lakers. He came here. He was at the very end of his prime. And uh, you would give up your draft capital and get him to appease LeBron in his prime. uh, Smart, veteran, experienced players for the playoffs. Young guys don't do generally great in the playoffs. Um, And that worked. Then LeBron would leave you, and you were left with a mess. You had no draft capital. You built the team entirely about, around LeBron and his, and his wishes. And without LeBron, you had kind of a weird, disjointed roster and no draft capital. So the Lakers got their championship from LeBron. Um, but this is not, you know, they're not Cleveland. This is not a desperate franchise. They're in Los Angeles. They have a huge brand. And their takeaway is, we got a lot of championships. 
We're not selling the farm. So as good as LeBron is in his prime, they're not even close to a championship team. They're not even in the top 10, in my opinion, to be a championship team. Maybe if AD was healthy, LeBron was healthy, uh, Westbrook off the bench, maybe they're 10th. But that, they're not. They're not even close to Boston or Milwaukee. Uh, they're not close to Golden State. Smarts, depth, intelligent, youth. Uh, they're not close. So the Lakers' perspective, I may disagree with it, but the Lakers' perspective is, well, even with the great LeBron now, we're not a playoff team. So our present isn't very good. Why give away our future? Now, for those just joining us and that you've never listened to my show or you're the D.C. listeners, my takeaway was I got sympathy for nah, for neither camp. LeBron signed an extension to get more money. I have no sympathy for LeBron. You signed up for this mess. You knew it was a mess. Uh, and I have no sympathy for the Lakers because I said coming into the season, Anthony Davis is going to be great. The minute he's great, trade him. He'll get hurt. I said that. J-Mac is my witness. Yeah. And they didn't. And now you're stuck with a guy with less trade value who's hurt again. Uh, at the trading deadline, what I would do, I'd keep LeBron. I'd move everything I could to get more shooters and more draft picks. I would bottom out for the rest of this year and then move as many pieces as you can, restock with shooters and some wing defenders. This team's going nowhere. Westbrook doesn't work long-term. AD can't stay healthy. LeBron's the only thing I like. But I have no sympathy for either. Because, as I've talked about before, there's three stages to great basketball players. There's the show-off stage. LeBron's first six, seven years. Didn't win a title, but he would chase people down, block stuff off the backboard. It's John Morant's in this stage, Anthony Edwards, the show-off stage. I want to show the world what I can do. Then you get tired of not winning games. Then you get to the championship stage, where a lot of guys move and go and surround themselves to win championships because everybody's saying, the media's saying, fans are saying, yeah, well, you're not a winner, you're just a stat monster. The third stage, which at the end, Michael Jordan went to the Wizards for it, LeBron came to L.A., is the mogul stage. Is that what's good for business? Michael's like, I want to own an NBA team. He went to the Wizards, the awful Wizards. LeBron came to this franchise. The previous five years, the Lakers had the worst record in the league when he came here, tied with the Knicks. They were a mess. He didn't come here for basketball. He came here to get rich. I got no problems with LeBron. He got a bubble championship. He's, he's worth a billion dollars. I know guys in his camp... He's been happy. His family's happy. He didn't come here for basketball. There were a lot, a lot of great options. This wasn't one of, one of them for basketball. The roster was a bunch of young guys. Nobody liked any of them except Kuzma, who's now crushing. They probably shouldn't have never moved him. So I, I just don't have any sympathy for anybody. Uh, it's like you all made your bed. LeBron wanted to get rich. He did. Uh, Lakers unrealistically thought with Westbrook and AD they could win a title. They can't. And you guys deserve this mess. Hey, promise me we'll, we'll revisit this later because you're off on some things here. We're going to fix this later. I know we got a guest coming up, but there are some things you're missing on the Lakers. They, there is an opportunity here for them right now. I'll leave it at that. All right. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I've been hearing that for nine years in this town. Want more Herd? The Herd streams 24 hours a day, seven days a week within the iHeartRadio app. Search Herd to listen live or on demand whenever you'd like. Greg Cosell, 43 years, NFL Films. Nobody breaks it down like him. Okay, I will admit, I thought Daniel Jones was a reach. <laughs> I thought he was a reach. I never saw the it. I thought he was a late first, second round guy. But for the first time in, what, six, seven years, the Giants are a playoff team. 
Um, you tell me what does the film say? Is is, is how much well, is how much is Daniel Jones? How much is his great coach? Well, first of all, I don't think that those two things necessarily should be separate. I think it's the coach's job to put together an offense, a pass game, and a scheme that maximizes the talent of the quarterback and maximizes the offense and the pass game. So very often we try to separate that. Now, let me ask you this, Colin, as I think about what stage I'm in in my life after you just did the LeBron thing after 43 years here at Films, but um, how many quote-unquote transcendent quarterbacks are there? They don't fall out of the sky. There's not 50 Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allens, Burroughs. There's not 50 of those guys. So you need a quarterback that can execute your offense, and ideally you want a coach that can put together a really good pass game that helps your quarterback with defined reads and defined throws. You know, so the teams that don't have, and maybe it's true, maybe the teams that don't have that guy of which there are not many because everybody's reaching for that rainbow every year. Right. And more often they don't get the guy than they do get the guy. Are we then saying those teams never have a chance to win? What do you do? I mean, there's, like I said, you know, you talk about this all the time. How many of those guys are there? Well, I you know, Greg, that what I always use is there's only five guys in this league that I would not pick up a phone as a GM. You call me. I'm not interested. I'm not talking. They're all in their prime. Mahomes, Allen, Burrow, Herbert, and now Trevor Lawrence, who I think I like more than you a little bit. I would not pick. I would not pick up the phone. I think. I think running, athletic ability. Now, Stafford, Brady, Rogers are great, but I would take the phone call. I would listen. They're out of their prime. So, to your point, what you're saying is, Colin, you're unrealistic here. Not everybody. There's only five on the face of the earth. So, Daniel. Right. I mean, based on the way you see it, there's only five guys. There's 27 other teams. <laughs> so now if you're Brian Dable, you know, obviously Jones. And by the way, a quick point about Jones. Let's talk about the football part. We don't need to interpret what Daniel Jones is at this point. Dable is in a sense telling us because he's now asking him to throw the ball more. Two weeks ago against Minnesota, he dropped back 45 plus times in a close game. So Brian Dable is telling us he feels far more comfortable with Daniel Jones dropping back throwing the football, by the way, to a very average core of receivers behind a revolving door offensive line. Now, does Brian Dable want to start over again next year with a brand new quarterback in an offense that is difficult to pick up? You know, picking up offenses and understanding everything involved with offense and the relationship of defense to your offense, that's a time-consuming process, Colin. That doesn't happen in a week or two. That doesn't happen in a year, quite frankly. So, He's going to re-sign with the Giants, and he's a quality quarterback. Whether he can win a Super Bowl, you know, those questions to me, I never know how to answer those when people say, well, can he win a Super Bowl? I think there's a lot of reasons teams win Super Bowls and and don't win Super Bowls, but Daniel Jones has been a quality quarterback for the Giants as this year has progressed. Um, I I looked at a stat, I used it on the air not long ago, that if Dak throws the ball under 35 times, 35 or fewer, he he mostly wins. If he throws over right. 35, he mostly loses. So I view him as sort of a complimentary piece. He's very good with a strong running game and time to throw. Um, I feel like this offense going into the trade deadline, it was just a, a something short. They brought in uh, T.Y. Hilton. What do you make yeah. of that? What do you make of that? 
I, well, first of all, they again, I made a comment somewhere else a number of weeks ago about the Cowboys not having a whole lot at the skill position players, and I was speaking wide receiver predominantly. And on social media, people acted like I didn't know the first thing about football. Well, the bottom line is they told you that. They brought in T.Y. Hilton. Yeah. You think they would have brought in T.Y. Hilton <laughs> if they were thrilled with their receiving core? <laughs> so they told you that. That, that. I didn't have to make that up. Um, I think Dak Prescott is a – and this is a cliche, but true, is a very professional quarterback. Yeah. I think when you watch Dak Prescott, he's essentially at this point in his career a pocket quarterback. He knows where to go with the football. He knows how to run an offense. Um, he knows how to work through progressions. Uh, you know, I've always believed interceptions have to be looked at as an individual play, not just look at a number on a sheet of paper. Right. He's thrown a few bad ones. He's thrown some others that were not his fault. Um, but you can line up and play with Dak Prescott. I think your point is valid. I think he's probably at the point in his career where he needs a fully dimensional offense. He needs a meaningful run game. He needs good weapons. Their O-line is solid now that they have Tyron Smith playing right tackle and Tyler Smith, the rookie, they kept at left tackle because he's improved as the year has gone on and they didn't want to make that adjustment. So I think he can efficiently run your offense. Um, and that's what he is. I, yeah. I don't think there's a mystery to what Dak Prescott is at this point in his career, Colin. Yeah. So um, f we have a new affiliate today in D.C., and I want to talk about Trevor Lawrence, who I was a huge fan sure. of in high school and college. Uh, and you you always said he's good. He's not quite as good, Colin, as that. He is playing his butt off. Uh, Doug, Peters, yeah. Doug Peterson, truth be told, is very good at this. He got Nick Foles to a Super Bowl and won the Super Bowl. Without question. So, obviously, Peterson has unlocked something because – I think you've acknowledged for the last month that Trevor's playing faster, moving quicker. Yes. Is that is that still maintain? Do you still maintain that's why he's better? They sped him up. Well, well, I think Trevor Lawrence is a clearly a plus thrower. I wouldn't call him a special thrower. He's a plus thrower. He's long. He's lanky. He needed to be quicker in everything he did, and this is where coaching comes in. And there's nothing, by the way. To me, there's nothing wrong with saying that a coach helped a quarterback. That is not a knock on a quarterback. You know, Trevor Lawrence, because of the world in which we live, since he's been in high school, he's been talked about as if he's generational, and that's not his fault. But Trevor Lawrence needed work when he got to the NFL. He was a bit of an overstrider. He was a little slow in things that he did. He threw a ton of tunnel screens in college. You almost have to disregard those throws when you evaluate a quarterback. Um, so he needed work on being quicker in his drop, quicker in his set, less of a strider, which helps with his ball placement because then he doesn't become scattershot because he hurries his stride. And all these things have taken place over the course of this season, which have made him look more compact, play more efficiently, be more consistently precise with his ball location. So he's clearly become a better player as this season has progressed. And he's playing at a very high level right now. You know, um, I'm guilty of this, too. Sometimes the story is better than reality. I said this years ago when Russell Westbrook won the MVP in basketball. I said the story <laughs> yeah. of him winning because Kevin Durant bailed on him. The story is better than the player. He doesn't make anybody better. The story's great. Kevin Durant leaves him. He wins the MVP. The reality is not as great as the story. So the story now in Brock Purdy is, oh, my God, look at what an upgrade. The, What's the tape say on the Niners' seventh final pick, Mr. Arell? What's the tape say on Purdy? 
Yeah, and I think this is a great segue because this is another example where he's operating the offense very efficiently, but it's a really well-schemed, well-designed offense, as you know. we all. Kyle Shanahan does a phenomenal job. He has for years. I've been fortunate enough in my career to sit down and talk with Kyle and get some of his thoughts, and he is really, really good at how he goes about attacking defenses. Now, Purdy is executing at a high level. Um, I would say he's brought two things to the Niners' offense that Jimmy G, who you and I both like, and I think he's been a very effective quarterback in this offense for years, but two things Birdie, Purdy brings that Jimmy G does not. Number one, they can do more play-action boot. They can get yeah. him outside the pocket because he has lighter feet than Jimmy G. And secondly, he does bring a little bit of that secondary action movement element for the same reason. He's a better athlete. He can get outside the pocket when the pocket is squeezed or closed down and he's forced to move. So I think he does bring those two elements. But other than that, it's the same offense. It's the same kinds of throws. And these are difficult throws that the Niners ask their quarterbacks to make. A lot of throws between the numbers where there are a lot of bodies. Yeah. So a big game, uh, Buffalo, obviously, off the DeMar Hamlin situation. We're getting good news today, but that's a very yeah. – it's going to be a, a very interesting weekend for this franchise. Heavy hearts there. Um, and they play New England. Uh, I, it, it's, it's a testament to Belichick's coaching. That offense just does not offer a ton. Uh, it's just – No. I mean, I'm no expert. It's, it's hard to watch. Uh, yes. But is there a style or a way they could beat Buffalo and, and stay, get in the playoffs? Well, these teams played four weeks ago, and Buffalo held the ball for 38 minutes. That can't happen. You know, the Patriots are not a big play offense. No. So when you're not a big play offense, you have to sustain offense. And we know Mac Jones has been very up and down. The one thing that has been concerning to me just watching tape is he's missed so many basic reads and that's not a function of coaching. These are basic reads, Colin. I mean, this is, this is day one, day two install kind of reads. So that's not coaching. So to control the ball, they need their running game, which I think they thought it would be the case when they started the season. They need their running game to be a sustaining piece of their offense. And it hasn't been on a weekly basis. And I think that's going to have to be a factor in this game if they're to have a shot. Now, again, we can't speak to anything involving the Bills. I don't want to. None of us know. We just don't. But assuming no, you know, somewhat normalcy in the game itself between the lines, the Patriots are going to have to sustain offense and hold the ball. Yeah, because otherwise it's going to be very difficult for them to really score enough points. Yeah, I want to talk Green Bay and Detroit. I, I said earlier there's sure. some there's some painful offenses. New England, one of them. Detroit's not a great team, but I think they're really clever offensively, <laughs> and they get the right people the ball in the right spots. They also keep Goff's feet comfortable, which is important for Jared. So, do they have a shot against this Green Bay defense, which has become more ball hawking in the last month? What? Tell me why Detroit's so much fun to watch. What does the film say? Yeah, and I'm glad you said fun. I was just about to say they're one of the most fun teams to watch. <clears throat> in some ways, they're old school in terms of what they do with play action. We've reached the point in the NFL where it seems like everybody plays out of the shotgun. Right. They put Goff under center and they run play action. Goff is phenomenal, as is the pass game, at a play action with him under center. Uh. And there's there's a reason for that. Because when it takes longer for the mesh point to define itself, whether it's run or pass, which it does take longer when you're under center, 
that forces second-level defenders, linebackers, it could be a safety, it could be a slot corner. They have to wait and see, is it a run, is it a pass? Because they it looks the same, so it takes longer. And also, then it allows your routes to develop further down the field because it takes longer. So their play-action pass game is phenomenal. The Packers have not defended the play-action pass game really well. The Packers play Darnell Savage as their slot corner now. That is an area to look at in this game because the the Lions under Ben Johnson, their offensive coordinator, really do a nice job with multiple location spots for all their receivers. So this is this to me is a really intriguing matchup on that side of the ball. By the way, Green Bay's on a four-game winning streak. It still feels limited. I think they've just sort yeah. of found their identity. But, I mean, let, let, let's talk Romeo Dobbs, Christian Watson. I do think yeah. Watson now is a legitimate deep threat. Is that fair? I would agree. Okay. But it does feel limited. You're right, because they're not winning because Aaron Rodgers is going 30 for 40 for 420 and four touchdowns. And that's the way we're used to seeing Green Bay win. They're winning in a kind of an odd way offensively. Rodgers does not necessarily throw for a lot of yards, but he makes two or three phenomenal Rodgers throws a game. Yeah. Their run game is kind of, yeah, maybe one week it's really good. Maybe one week it's not so good. You know, their defense has played really, really well. You know, I think the two linebackers, Campbell, who's been a really good player for them for a couple of years, and the rookie Walker out of Georgia, you're dealing with two guys that are 6'4", 235, 240. They are really impressive athletes at linebacker in their nickel defense. Yeah. Finally, um, <laughs> Tampa and Tom are pretty anemic <laughs> unless unless they go they speed it up for some reason right. for some reason when they speed it up it works other than that it's the Patriots it is a hard watch so you tell me it's our big play of the week let's talk a little yeah. bit about, about Brady and where they are now yeah, they, they have been a tough watch because uh, their O-line has not been very good. They've not been able to run the ball at all, as you know. And Brady's not been comfortable in the pocket, and he doesn't have anything else to do. He's not a movement player. Right. So when the pocket is collapsing or he's uncomfortable, he doesn't look very good either. And he's missed a lot of throws this year. But last week, they had their two tackles back. Worse at right tackle, Smith at left tackle. He was much more comfortable in the pocket. He even got later in the down. He's been getting rid of the ball, Collins, so fast. Last week, he could stay later in the down and make throws. And then you saw a couple of throws that were just really good deep throws. And that's going to be one we're going to show right now. So let's go to that. This was a 30-yard touchdown on first and 10. Um, and this was enough, you know, one of his three beautiful throws to, to Evans. He just dropped it right in the bucket. So Brady's in the gun on this play. As I said, it's first and 10. You're going to see them in a two-by-two two set. And Mike Evans is going to be the number one receiver to the wide side of the field. Now, the Panthers play kind of a four-across umbrella coverage here. And the reason it looks like this is because they have a seven-man pressure front. So right now, this looks like pressure to Tom Brady in the offense. This is the matchup to look at, Henderson versus Evans. Now, Henderson is fascinating here because he is kind of playing the pressure front that his team is showing. So what happens here? He has his eyes inside. He's anticipating, Colin, the ball coming out quick because there's a pressure front which Brady is looking at. So his eyes are inside. He's flat-footed. He's not in good position to play the vertical route at all. And Evans runs by him, and Brady drops it right in the bucket. 
And you can actually see that really clearly from this angle. Henderson's looking inside. You can see it. And as soon as he does that and stops his feet, Evans can run by him. But they hit three long touchdowns last week. That's not going to happen every week. They still need to develop some kind of run game. They still need to be more consistent with just a general pass game. Not They're not going to hit three long ones every week, like I said. 43 years, NFL films, absolute pleasure. We'll talk next week. Can't wait to watch this weekend. Thanks, Greg. Thanks, Colin. Appreciate it. Be sure to catch live editions of The Herd weekdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio, FS1, and the iHeartRadio app. We know that Brady, Garoppolo, Derek Carr, and and our strong, strong likelihood, they're going to be on the market, right? Uh, we also think there's a couple other quarterbacks out there that aren't as good, but they'll have a market. And then we have the element of surprise. We get one big last pick. So let's start a little quarterback carousel here. So let's start with Brady. I'll start where I think he lands. Now, I've always thought Miami's the best fit. Hmm. But the story today by the Las Vegas Review-Journal does make me believe between Devontae Adams, Darren Waller, Josh Jacobs, Colton Miller left tackle, Hunter Renfro, these are veterans. They're all ready to play. You don't have a lot of ego. I would guess Raiders also indoors. It's pleasant. Uh, You know, Tom's got a lot of wealth, no state tax, but I do think the Mahomes-Herbert thing's a bit daunting I'm Miami or Raiders. I would say I'm 51% Raiders based on the Las Vegas Review-Journal story. It appears they're going to go after Tom Hard. Yes, I would agree. Tom Brady, Raiders, perfect fit. You guys, I'm sure everybody knows that DJs do a residency in Vegas. You know, they go there for like six weeks. It's popping. The clubs are awesome. This is Tom Brady's residency. He goes to Vegas, crushes it. He's never shied away from a challenge, Colin. He doesn't care about Herbert Mahomes. He's Tom Brady. He's got Josh McDaniels. Now, I did hear this week... Sounds like Josh McDaniels may relinquish play-calling duties because he was calling plays this year as head coach. He may have to make a concession and give that up. I don't know if it's out there, but you know, I heard it from someone credible. Okay. Um, so I think Brady makes sense with the Raiders. Okay, so Jimmy Garoppolo is next. Now, I sat down with the staff this morning. Garoppolo's injury, though he's had a few, was like an ankle injury. It's not, it's not throwing shoulder. And he was having a very good year. His last four games with the Niners, he was 4-0 with eight touchdowns, no picks, and completed 72% of his throws. He was playing really well. Better than Brock Purdy, although the narrative is Purdy's an upgrade. Yeah. The other thing is, Mike LaFleur, his offensive coordinator, he's got a connection. Robert Sala, that's the Jets' offensive yeah. coordinator. They have a connection. Also, Sala is an alpha male. He is, he is all dude. There's a lot of belief that Derek Carr and Sala are not really a personality fit. Garoppolo's a guy's guy. I like he it. He knows him. I'm going to go Garoppolo Jets. Also, Jimmy's played in big spots, big games. New York can engulf people. Increasing, there's a sense that Sala, New York, isn't great for Derek Carr. I like it. I think it's a good fit. I, uh, Jets fans, I think, would take that in a heartbeat and run to the AFC East Championship next year. I will go with a major curveball, and I will say Jimmy Garoppolo lands with the New England Patriots. Colin, if you remember, Belichick drafted Garoppolo in 2014. You've been saying for weeks now that Kraft is going to say to Bill, hey, you got... What's going on, Bill? You know, you're going to make some staff changes. Bill will say, you know what? You made me get rid of Jimmy Garoppolo. Remember when Tom Brady and his wife complained to you? Bring me back Garoppolo, and I'll show you I can get to the playoffs and do some damage. Mac Jones... I think we would agree he's regressed a little bit. I think Jimmy Garoppolo and the Patriots makes a lot of sense. 
Derek Carr next. Now, I thought Derek Jets was the fit. If that's off the market, the Dolphins need a healthy distributor, not a playmaker. He goes down to Miami. This offense, remember, Mike McDaniel and Shanahan wanted Kirk Cousins. He doesn't move well. He doesn't have a big arm. He is a distributor of the football who's always ready to play on Sunday. Concerns with Tua's health. Derek Carr to the Dolphins. What say you? Uh, I'll see your Derek Carr to the Dolphins and raise you. Derek Carr had some really good years with John Gruden. Remember that? They were thriving together. I want to go back to a good play caller. Give me Brian Dayball and the New York Giants. Derek Carr shuns the Jets for the Giants. You can see a Jets fan. We're always the bridesmaid. You think Daniel Jones is going to the Dolphins? I don't think Daniel Jones is staying with the... I think if Brian Dayball can say... Boy, I keep Daniel Jones or I could get an upgrade. We would agree. Derek Carr's an upgrade over Daniel Jones. I think, yes. And Derek Carr says, man, I'm going to be a great quarterback. Brian Dable's worked with everyone and made them great. Derek Carr, New York Giants. Wow. I think Dable is going to be the guy who's going to get his pick because he's such a he's so good as, as an offensive mind. All right, Ryan Tannehill, I think they move off him yes. in Tennessee. Not a dead cap hit of note. Arthur Smith gave him his best year. I think he goes to Atlanta. Marcus Mariota can't stay healthy. The kid out of Cincinnati, Desmond, he is, he's 0-3, yeah. has not looked good, looks overwhelmed. Nobody thought he was a huge prospect. Tannehill's won a lot of games. Did in Miami, did in Tennessee. I think Tannehill goes to the Falcons. Yes, love it. Uh, there's an out in Mariota's contract so they can uh, cut him with no loss. Ritter remains the backup. Tannehill will have Kyle Pitts and uh, the kid Calvin Ridley, I believe, is back from the gambling suspension. Yeah. They'll be decent next year. All right, Baker Mayfield. If you look at his numbers with the Rams, 95 passer rating, four touchdowns, one pick. I think he stays with the Rams. Yeah. He's got commercial endorsements already. I think L.A. works for him and Emily, his beautiful wife. I think he stays and understands I would rather have McVay elevate me than go make more money to an awful franchise. This is a well-run franchise having an off year. Loves L.A. I think that's a great fit. I will keep this short and sweet. Baker Mayfield goes to Seattle this weekend, beats the Seahawks, ruins their season, and then goes to Seattle in the offseason. <laughs> Great deep ball passer. He's an upgrade over Geno Smith. We would agree on that, yes, certainly. I think so. I think Baker it. Mayfield, he could be a good quarterback with Seattle and maybe get them to the playoffs next okay. year. Okay, I don't think he's a huge upgrade. I think he throws a prettier ball than Geno. Oh, but yeah. All right, and now our big swing. My big swing, Green Bay moves off. Ooh. Aaron Rodgers gets a first-round pick, gets two firsts, plays Jordan Love. He goes to Tennessee. <laughs> Vrabel, Vrabel, Burrow, Allen, Lamar, Mahomes, Herbert. You can't do it with Tannehill. He swings big. Mike Vrabel now makes the calls in that organization. He goes and gets Aaron Rodgers. First round pick this year, a second next year. Big swing in the AFC. I like it. I will go with my bold prediction. The Miami Dolphins have not had a franchise quarterback since Dan Marino. Wow. And Mike McDaniel goes all out and gets Lamar Jackson. From the Baltimore Ravens, who are sick of his stuff, whatever's going on with the knee injury, Miami pays him. You got Lamar, Waddle, Tyreek Hill. That would be the fastest team in the league. Steven Ross has been searching for a franchise quarterback forever. Um, This is spicy. Dolphins get Lamar Jackson. And Jets fans are crying. I am here for that. That would be the fastest team. He's from Florida. Loves it down there. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff. 
Are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.